What makes people amazing? What, what makes a person amazing? What makes a person just uh, exciting and uh, attractive? A positive attitude. It's so cool that you said that. I'm just not very good at that. That was positive. Thank you for the affirmation. Uh, one of the things I really love uh, uh, just being part uh, of this community uh, with you guys is that there's so many amazing things happening. Do you know what the word uh, en enthused means? Enthusiasm? Do you know what that means? Enthusiasm, it comes from uh, the words en entheos or in God. To be enthused means to be in God's spirit, to be filled uh, with God. And of course, that comes out with, well, enthusiasm. It comes out with a certain uh, strength and energy. And, and I think it's, uh, it's a worshipful attitude. And there are so many amazing people and amazing stories and amazing things uh, going on here. Today is, is uh, Gatson's birthday. That's amazing. Gatson's uh, one of the new employees at Seed. He's been kicking butt. He's amazing there. He's, ni he's, he's 90 days clean today. That's amazing. That's a birthday right there. I was, uh, I've been hanging out at Seed a lot the last couple of weeks because uh, we've reopened. I, it's just such a cool place to be. It's so am amazing. Uh, Julie is our general manager, and David, David Kiernan is our head chef, both of whom single parents working 70 hours a week right now uh, to make this happen. That's just, that's just freaking amazing uh, right there. Uh, I've enjoyed uh, thinking about what's happening in our cakey ministry this week because they're going to go teach our kids to dance, all these 10-year-old boys to dance. My 10-year-old my boy is not here uh, this morning, but that's amazing. I was just telling Leah today, I, wish, I just wish I could be a fly on the wall and just kind of see how this goes. And if it works, I'm going to do it with you guys. Um, just sort of, that sort of, that sort of expression and freedom. That's interesting. That's just like a very interesting thing to try. Uh, I think that's pretty amazing. The Ohana groups, amazing. Ohana group leaders, the small group leaders, especially amazing. I think those are amazing people. Uh, some of you are like, well, you know, it's the summer. I don't know. Maybe I want to keep my options open. I don't know if I can commit to a group and grow and transform and stuff like that. But these guys are like, I'm leading the group. I'm there every week. I'm giving up uh, a night every week. Uh, over the summer, and, and that's just really cool. That's just unusual. I think that's amazing. Thank you for your enthusiasm. I'd give it about a seven. But now I'm going to preach the rest of the sermon. I'd give that about a three. See where you are. What makes women amazing? God, God made you, and that's amazing. Yes. They can have babies. <laughs> I've seen that, and it is pretty amazing. Uh, I don't know how it is on women's end, but on my end, it's like, wow. It's a whole new level of respect right there. Uh, what makes women amazing? I I'll ask this. Women! Women! Uh, how beautiful do you think you are? Yeah. Uh, let me ask this question. Uh, do you think about that often? 
Think about how beautiful you are, how attractive you are. Do you think about that? Say, oh, heck no. <laughs> no. Uh, is, it a, is it a thing in your life? Attractiveness, is that a thing in your life? You think that shaped you a little bit? Um, they say that men always worry about measuring up and that women always worry about whether they're beautiful. Is that a hollow stereotype? Or do you think that's sort of accurate social commentary? What do you think? Hollow stereotype. Oh? You try to measure up too, to, to beauty. <laughs> I like the way your mind works. All kinds of different things. You think there are different standards, men and women? Oh, that one, yes, yes. Um, I think these are issues um, in which we often have a lot of emotion wrapped up. Um, I think even in the house of God, uh, I think we can have a lot of emotion uh, in these issues like what makes, what makes a person attractive, what makes a person uh, amazing, what makes a, a person beautiful, and maybe in particular what makes a woman beautiful because, I don't know, I think women sometimes get objectified, um, particularly for physical beauty. I know you've never heard that before from anyone. Uh, but but I, I think it's a thing, and I think it's often an emotional thing. Uh, but I know this as well. How awesomely alien would it be if, if women could walk into our community and suddenly be blessed in a way that they could stop worrying about being attractive to the extent that they do worry about it. I, I think that would be pretty awesome. And I think it would be alien. Uh, I think it would be otherworldly in a very cool way. I think it would be cool if every human could walk in here and just worry about, I don't know, growing as a human. I think that would be fairly awesome. Enthusiasm? I think it's a, I think it's a deal. We might not always talk about it well, but I do think it's, I th I do think it's kind of a deal, the way that we see ourselves, and particularly the way that we conceive of our own attractiveness or beauty, and I, I don't know. I think it might be a particular sort of deal for women, and I think it's maybe a particular sort of deal for women through the millennia. I think it's been a thing for a long time. The book of Proverbs, and we have reached the end of the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs ends with a little meditation on a certain kind of woman. And in the particular illustration, it's a certain kind of, of wife. The wife of noble character. Very famous passage in the book of Proverbs. A wife of noble character or high, uh, mighty, special character. The wife of noble character. Who can find, the passage asks, which implies everybody's looking for one. Oh, yeah, I hope. Um, charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, the passage says. But a woman who fears the Lord, a woman of noble character, is to be praised, is to be highly valued. And that's the commentary with which the book of Proverbs, the book of wisdom in the Bible, ends. Let's read uh, the, the passage more extensively. Proverbs uh, 31, 10 through 31 essentially the end of the great book of wisdom, and it has to do with uh, the character of, uh, of women. 
A wife of noble character, who can find? She is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She is like the merchant ships bringing her food from afar. She gets up while it's still night. She provides food for her family and portions for her female servants. She considers a field and buys it. Quite a little businesswoman. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. Uh, She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her tasks. She sees that her trading is profitable and her lamp does not go out at night. In her hand, she holds the distaff. That's kind of a spinning wool type thing and grasps the spindle with her fingers. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. When it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. Scarlet was a very special color. Uh, She makes coverings for her bed. She is clothed in fine linen and purple, again, a very expensive color. Her husband is respected at the city gate where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies the merchants with sashes. I'm getting tired just reading about this woman. She is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Honor her for all that her hands have done, and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. I'd like to just go through that one more time. It's kind of an impressive chapter, and uh, a lot of cool things are said. A little bit of it is acculturated because, you know, gender roles are always a thing in cultures, and obviously this passage is written in a culture that had very specific gender roles. It sounds quite impressive and maybe a wee bit progressive, even in our culture, but I tell you, 3,000 years ago, uh, it was just revolutionary. It was a big deal that someone would talk about this, this way, about the the role and and virtue of women. you know, I, I think we can say with good conscious, conscience about this woman of noble character, check this chick out. She's got something going on. And I think that's the impression uh, that we're supposed to get. First thing, uh, she is worth far more than rubies. But we're talking about like uh, a marriage in this case, like a man finding a woman. Who can find one of these? So it starts with sort of this masculine uh, perspective in that sense. She's worth far more than rubies. Don't, don't marry a woman for money or status. You know, it's the first little thing that uh, the author is throwing in there. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. So there's an implication here. There's something being implied in context, right? We're talking about finding a wife in the passage. Uh, and uh, so the, the encouragement is... A fine one based on her great character. And if you do that, you will lack nothing of value. And I think the implication here is in what is not being said, right? The, the normal ways of, of going to search for a wife, if you were a guy in that day and age, 
is to find one that boosts your status, your wealth, or that is just really, really hot. And, uh, but the author is saying, no, find one of character, and that you will lack nothing. You won't even feel the absence of these other things if they're not there. Character is the way to go. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. You just, you're not, you're, this deal cannot go wrong if you listen to what I'm saying and if you value a woman on this basis. Sort of revolutionary in the culture. Verses uh, 13 through 19 in the passage uh, just sort of summarize it by saying, this gal is amazingly industrious. I mean, she's, she's weaving, she's trading, she's dying, she's, she's doing, she's wheeling and dealing in the public sphere, uh, really quite industrious, all the more impressive in that, you know, women were not really expected to be, well, we even have the phrase today, businessmen, <laughs> businessmen, Right? Um, but this is probably the, the greatest resume for, in the business, for the business world in all of Scripture, <laughs> you know. Uh, and it's a, it's a woman. Um, just really impressive in spheres traditionally dominated by men. In other words, hey, she can do it too, uh, which is something that I think we embrace today. They did not embrace it in this day. Uh, this, this is kind of a deal. Um, good old-fashioned observation here as well. I think the implication is that someone who is a hard worker has noble character. That you can tell if someone is this hardworking, this diligent, this industrious, that's nobility of character. There, there is moral virtue in someone like that. And, and, I, and I think there's probably a cultural confession here. In any culture, women are often the hardest workers. I'm just going to say it. It's a stereotype, but there it is. Um, and it should be recognized for what it is. Superior virtue. The humility and love of hard work and service. And uh, maybe we recognize that in our culture, but this is a, a meditation on it. In, in, a, in a day and an age um, where it was not common. Um, and then the author sort of proves that this, this woman uh, has great character by saying uh, not only is she a hard worker, but um, she opens her arms to uh, the needy. You know, wherever you find high character, you find someone who is willing to take care of others. By the end of the passage, we know that she takes care of her family. Uh, she takes care of her husband, she takes care of the needy. This, this is pretty much the community pillar right here. Um, and uh, I, uh, my, my PhD is actually, well, my master's degree was in economic development. Uh, one of the great principles of economic development in poor countries is you fund the women. Because if you fund the women, everybody gets taken care of. If you fund the men, in their business ventures, the men get taken care of. I'm just saying. And, uh, which is something that the data show today, but Proverbs was showing thousands of years ago. That's biblical wisdom uh, for you. Her husband is respected at the city gate where he takes a seat among the elders of the land. Um, I, I love that line because basically it's redefining what a trophy wife is. 
You know, we have that phrase, trophy wife. What's a trophy wife? Well, not this. You know, a trophy wife is a looker. They have all those uh, housewives of Beverly Hills type shows. I don't, there's like, I don't know how many of them uh, there are. But basically, they're celebrating the idea of, of, of a trophy wife. Um, but, uh, you know, a trophy wife is you get one and then you can brag about it to the guys. Um, but here is a woman of noble character. If you have one, the guys all respect you. You know, it's just, there's something better going on there, uh, which I really enjoy. I don't, the city gate was kind of where the, where the guys, where the movers and shakers, the men, got together um, and, uh, you know, drank their tea or, or whatever. And I just imagine a conversation uh, her husband is respected at the city gate. I just kind of see guys saying, hey, you know, have, have, have you seen Bob's wife? Man, she has some character. <laughs> She's got herself a fine set of moral virtues. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is clothed with strength and dignity. I, I just love that line. That, that may be my favorite line of the whole passage because I just, I don't know, I kind of personally resonate with it. You know, I just, if I can say personally as a man, I very much um, find strength and, and dignity, a dignified bearing. I just find that so beautiful in, in women, if you don't mind, mind me saying so. I just, I just think it's a radiant quality. And, uh, and I enjoy that it's here in, in this meditation. Um, her children arise and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Uh, is that phrase that we read uh, throughout the Bible later in the, Old Test in the New Testament? Wisdom is proved right by her children. And uh, here this woman of wisdom is, is proved right by the positive effect that she has on the people around her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. I like that line because it indicates many women do noble things that, that we're now recognizing. <laughs> that women have a nobility which is to be celebrated, which again, back here, was uh, a, a sweeping thing to say, but at least you're thinking about it in the right way if you're reading uh, this proverb. Charm is deceptive and beauty is, and beauty is fleeting, just stating the obvious. Uh, I mean, that's the contrast, right? It's sort of implicitly saying women are usually valued for their, we even have the phrase, feminine charms. Um, but virtue is virtue, you know, and, and those sorts of things, beauty and charm and, you know, uh, attractiveness in, in the shallow sense, they're, they're fleeting. They're going to fade away. They won't last. And, and that's a point that we'll come back to. Um, if, uh, if you're valuing that stuff or pursuing that stuff, then ultimately it will be dissatisfying to everyone involved. Uh, honor her for all that her hands have done and let her works praise her at the city uh, gate. Just call a spade a spade. Call a virtue a virtue. Call nobility nobility. It doesn't matter what package it comes in, male, female, young, old. Let goodness be celebrated. Um, yeah, did I say anything controversial there? We can all kind of accept that, right? That stuff. Um, 
Yeah, you know, we get it. We get it. Sure, uh, women should be valued for more than their good looks. If a man values a woman more as a full partner, as a co-laborer, rather than a, God forbid, trophy piece or something like that, then both the man and the women will be better off, both the women and the men, because, you know, we should celebrate what is uh, worthy. We get it. Beauty is just skin deep. We get it, right? We are totally there. But do we actually really truly believe it? Do we actually really truly trust it? Really, really, if we were honest about it. Do we actually buy it? Do we, men and women, women and men, do we trust in this? That character trumps if that's really what we should pursue. I don't think you need to examine culture too extensively to see that, that we glorify female physical beauty maybe more than we glorify any other virtue in women. Yes? No? As a popular culture, what do you think? The men are being very, very still right now. I mean, the women are nodding. The guys are sipping their coffee. Um, I, I mean, just open a magazine, a newspaper, or something like that, I, you know. Um, and there's an objectification, that treating someone as a, as a trophy piece, as an object, rather than a subjectification, valuing them as a person. Um, so as a culture, I really don't think we buy into it all that well. I suspect that women themselves sometimes tend to identify uh, largely on how attractive they think they are uh, physically. I think that's true. I think that's true. Um, to think yourself ugly can be very wounding. I just think that's true. And I do think it, it's true that men tend to evaluate women on their looks, at least in the first instance. In the house of God, I think perhaps we do better on that, but not perfectly well. Um, and it's almost part of the rules. It's almost part of our social rules where gender is concerned. If you're on one of those check them out dates, you know, those dates where you're kind of like, oh, how is this going to go? How is this person? And, uh, you know, you get to one of those evaluative moments and you look deeply into her eyes and say, you're a good, hard-working person. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. There is some risk of that going very badly. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying. That should, of course, be a beautiful thing to say, a wonderful thing to say, but, you know, I think when women prepare for dates, uh, they don't open the closet and say, how can I show him my industriousness? I'm, I may be going way on the limb here, but I think that there's some truth to that. Um, and you know, I often talk about money uh, and money sickness. I think that we as humans are money sick in a way that we don't even realize we're sick. Like money has so much control over our lives that when we chase after it, we don't call it sickness, we call it being responsible. Uh, and I think that we're a little bit beauty sick 
in, in, in a similar way, that we're sick in a way that we don't even recognize as sickness. And so we empower, we expect, we bless people, and by people I mean especially women, let's face it, to chase after beauty, to be attractive uh, in, in a physical sense, and we think that is proper. Uh, we have so institutionalized it and, and fully blessed it as a culture in the way that we interact um, that we don't even realize the amount of influence that it has. And so I say these funny little comments, just, they're obvious, but we don't even register them uh, when we're going through it, when we're growing up uh, in it. Um, so maybe we're buying into the world's valuation system more than we think we are. Possible? Yeah. Why do we do that is my question uh, today. Good people have known for 3,000 years that, you know, that a woman of noble character, uh, what a, good, a woman of noble character is. So what is the piece of wisdom that we're missing in our lives that would allow us to embrace it once and for all? Um, two answers, two sorts of answers that I will share with you uh, today. Answer number one, uh, and I think this comes out of the book of Proverbs. If you don't value wisdom, you won't value people wisely. Probably you won't value anyone wisely, but we're talking about women today because they're a particularly potent illustration of this principle uh, as things work in culture. So if you don't value wisdom, then you won't value women wisely. And when I say you, I'm speaking to both men and women. Maybe women won't value themselves wisely. Um, what's the first lesson that we had in the book of Proverbs? Think back to the very beginning of the sermon series. What was lesson number one in the book of Proverbs? Hmm? Fear, fear God is the beginning of... Yeah. Speak up. Hmm? Get wisdom. Yeah, the, the first chunk of the book of Proverbs is just trying to convince you that wisdom is good. And because it's good, you have to go pursue it. You have to go get it. You have to develop it in your life. Um, wisdom is very valuable. You should definitely want it, so go get it. Um, and one way that we can know that we've embraced this ad advice is, um, is to check out what we value in other people. If you're pursuing wisdom, if you're pursuing goodness, if you're pursuing wise character, then that's what you should value most in other people. If wisdom is truly that precious, then that's the thing that you should appreciate most in others. Um, if we don't value wisdom highly in life, we will value shallower things. And shallower things in people will come to objectify people, and particularly women, since culture tends that way. You can debate women's rights and feminism and all these progressive movements that we have seen over recent decades, you can talk about those things all you want, but the truth is, if you don't value wisdom at your core, then you'll never really value women properly. And I think we see that in our culture, right? It's like, oh, you know, the role of women. We talk about that a huge bit in our culture, and indeed women have made great strides in social roles and then you open up a magazine and you'll get an article on women breaking through the glass ceiling right next to the lingerie ad, you know, the obligatory lingerie ad that you see in every magazine. It's like, 
we're, we're very much of two minds about this because we know what the right value is, but we do not pursue becoming wise people. And therefore, the problem will never be solved. And I think that's what we see, and it's been true uh, for 3,000 years. You follow me? You think that's true? Think that makes sense? By contrast, if people actually pursue wisdom, godliness, goodness, well then, even people 3,000 years ago could see the truth about noble character. Even, even back then, where the culture was entirely paternalistic, entirely male-dominated, a person who really went after wisdom would say, you know what? Women are people. Obviously. We've been valuing them the wrong way, guys. There is a blessing in these people that we have not recognized. And that just sort of comes from embracing wisdom. It's like seeing reality. Suddenly reality is obvious. And if you don't embrace wisdom, somehow reality never really manifests in your life. Um, it's, I, I like the brackets of Proverbs. You know, there's this tremendous book of wisdom, and then it ends with this thing about what makes for a good wife. I, uh, how does that follow? Well, I'm telling you how it follows, right? Pursue wisdom, and at the end of the day, it causes you to see people truly. And as an illustration of that, let's take, let's take a look at a class of people that we have tended not to see truly. Women. You could substitute other people in there, but it was a very good illustration uh, for, for this culture. Um, celebrate women as people, not objects. I'll get a little amen. Sure, even today, we're still in the midst of that a little bit. Answer number two uh, has something to do with what we talked about last week. Uh, we talked about desire. We talked about what you should want in life. We talked about the difference between pursuing desires and pursuing contentment. And that's two very different things. Desire is never satisfied. That is its nature. We have these potent illustrations in last week's passage. Desire is like a fire. As long as it has fuels, it never, fuel, it never goes out. Right? Fire never decides to quit. You can only conquer it. And desire is the same way. If your life is shaped by desire, and it's a little semantical here because what does desire mean? But, you know, craving. Um, then you'll, you'll, you'll never be satisfied. Um, desire is never quenched. It's never satisfied. It is only conquered. Right? You can defeat it by ignoring it or deciding something uh, about it. Uh, contentment does not come from satisfied desires. Contentment comes from developing the virtue of contentment. Honesty has something to do about that, and we won't talk about it much further today, but you can go listen to last week's sermon uh, if, if you missed it. But I don't think we know what contentment is. Uh, nobody teaches on contentment, uh, so uh, we tend not to be very good at it. So let's back up a second here now that I've said that. There's something about beauty and the culture of being pretty uh, that makes you want to have it. Beauty makes you desire it. There's something about noble character that makes you glad to have it. That fosters contentment. Beauty provokes desire. Character provokes contentment in you and in the people around you. Does that make sense? I think that's a truism. That should be a proverb. Somebody write that. Um, if you have a, in, in marriage, let's say, to extend the illustration, if you have a partner that you trust, that you can rely on, in whose character you can rest, 
I'm telling you, that's amazingly important. That breeds contentment. If you have a partner who's really, really hot, no commentary allowed, um, that will not satisfy you. There are some blessings in it, you know. It's exciting in a way, but it's not exciting in a way that leads to contentment because beauty provokes desire. Character builds contentment. Uh, and I think, I think it's true we could develop a case for that, but I don't know. I see a lot of really beautiful couples in the media that just don't seem very satisfied with their marriages. Um, I see a lot of pursuing going on out there, and I don't know, call me crazy, but in those classes of especially beautiful people that we see on Hollywood entertainment shows and stuff like that, they seem to be pursuing satisfaction at an intensity that is uniquely extreme. Beauty provokes desire. Character is what builds contentment. Um, there's a difference between pursuing the thrill of satisfied desire and pursuing the joy of contentment, if that makes sense. And that's how the beauty culture can really screw with us. Whether you're a guy pursuing feminine beauty or a gal pursuing becoming beautiful, never satisfied, it can't. It can't. All it can do is become a bigger fire uh, in your life. Um, beauty is desire. It's exciting for a while and it's cool and there are blessings in it in context, but it does not bring contentment. Okay, one upshot of all of this, and we'll end with this, is if you fail to pursue and value wisdom, then the way that you see people will be whacked. It will be wrong and unhelpful. You will emphasize the wrong things in people. You might emphasize the wrong people. Um, For instance, just to talk, to extend some of the examples we're talking about today, if, uh, you, if you're a very pretty woman, you might be tempted to cultivate relationships with admirers rather than cultivating relationships with good people. I think that applies a little to men as well, um, but men are, have a little more latitude culturally about their looks. And there's a way in which being really good looking is kind of a challenge for us morally. Uh, and, you know, we have so many outrageously good looking people here that I thought it was an appropriate comment to make this morning. Enthusiasm? Yeah, we're hot. Um, So let's just return to the first question. What makes people amazing? What makes people amazing? You know, if we're going to be a community of wisdom, I think we got to get that one right. I think, I think we have to know what to celebrate in people. You know? I think that's a pretty good measure of how well we're doing on the old wisdom scale. Are we valuing people rightly? You know, are we emphasizing uh, the right things? It's how we answer that question that determines whether people can walk into our community, can walk into this house, 
and not have to worry about how attractive they are, which I think would just be awesome. That's um, how we celebrate people that indicates uh, what, we, what we value in them. Yeah. <clears throat> Does this apply to your life? I, I think we might be more sick in this area than we realize on a daily basis, like I said, because it is just so soaked into our culture. Yeah. yeah let's pray. Holy Spirit, I just invite you to do your work. Just do your work, Lord. Do your work, Lord. probably been worried about the wrong things. We've probably valued the wrong things. We might be a little upside down on this one, Lord. Do your work, Holy Spirit. Where we have been slaves to our own image, do your work, Holy Spirit. If you have been slaves to your own image, in the name of Jesus Christ, I bless you with the blessing of contentment. Contentment in which there is great wisdom and freedom and great life. Be blessed. If we have been consumed with chasing someone else's image, uh, we repent, Lord. Help us see nobility truly. We repent, Lord. We repent, Lord. And we incline our hearts to wisdom and godliness instead, where there is contentment and not straining desire. I pray for a blessing over Blue Water Mission, Lord, and I speak it in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus Christ, here in this house, there shall be peace. In this house, there shall be truth. In this house, there shall be love and freedom. A woman of noble character, who can find? We have found plenty here, Lord, and we celebrate that in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>